The African savanna is dominated by predators, but the jungles of the Congo aren't much safer. The dense forests conceal powerful predators, like the leopard, which catches prey that didn't even know she was there. Today, poachers are even more dangerous, taking game with dwindling numbers. Where's an African ungulate to find refuge? Only through a toolkit of stealth and evasion that's unheard of among large creatures. But when your environment seems stacked against you, skill and perseverance are the keys to life, death, and taxonomy. Welcome back to Life, Death, and Taxonomy. It's your 30 minutes of interesting animal information. I'm Joe. And I'm Carlos. And today we're talking about a sneaky horse that's also kind of a giraffe and a zebra, but more on all that later. Sneaky horse sounds really scary. <laughs> they're, they're not supposed... They're so big, they're not supposed to be sneaky. I don't Such want- is the way for this animal. Like, can imagine if a horse could sneak up on you like a cat does. <laughs> <laughs> you just, you just, uh, you're just like, I think I hear something, and there's a horse on the back of your couch. <laughs> like, oh gosh, I didn't see you there behind the curtains. But yeah, yeah, it's uh, it's not a horse, uh, or a zebra or a giraffe. It's the okapi. Okapi, my copy. Have you? <laughs> is that a Dead Poet Society reference? Yes, and I think that's a reference to a, a poem oh captain my captain yeah so uh I, going to uh disney has trained me for this moment because the uh one of the first animals you see on the kilimanjaro safari is um the okapi and mm-hmm. you're like hey look at the zebra and then of course you get reprimanded and thrown out of the the bus for such a heinous comment into and, the alligator pit. Yeah, and um, that's when the uh, tour guide says uh, it's actually it's actually not a giraffe or not not a, a zebra. It's uh, related to the giraffe family, which is why people call it the zebra giraffe, uh, the forest giraffe, or the Congolese giraffe. All very good. They're like cousins. Yeah, um, but we're gonna call it here, um, Sheriff John Stone. Which I'll, I'll explain later. And the chuff of legend. <laughs> okay. So let's taxonomize this so I can explain at least one of my nicknames. Uh, okay. The kingdom is the one that you like. It's also the one that you know. And it's the one that you are in. That one is Animalia. Of course it is. Uh, the phylum is Chordata. Class, Mammalia. Order, we're back here. The humpback whale order, Artiodactyla. Even toed -toed ungulates. Ungulates. Um, The family is giraffidae, uh, which that's a lion's diet. A giraffidae would keep the pride full. Full, yes, for sure. Except Um, for they don't usually eat full-grown giraffes. Giraffes. But sometimes they might eat a little one. Yeah. And okapi. So who knows? Um, The genus is okapia. And the species is John Stoney. <laughs> Sheriff John Stone. Uh, what is Sheriff's, Sheriff John Stone from? Sheriff John Stone. Oh. Why don't, don't you leave me alone? It's <laughs> a good uh, good old Beach Boys reference. Mm-hmm. 
And then after that, just shrimp. leave it alone. <laughs> Especially if the uh, throw throws away all your grits and then eats up all your corn. <laughs> what a dumb song. <laughs> uh, but it's I the love worst it. trip since he's been born. <laughs> Uh, so since we're in the business of naming things John Stone uh, it's time for my favorite part of the show and that show that part is uh, critter groups this part of the show is where I ask Joe a question and that question is the same every time what is the name of a group of this animal or the collective noun or the term of venery for this animal so if you saw a bunch of okapi together what's the word you would use would you say A that's a herd of okapi you say B, that's a neck of Okapi? Would you say C, a community of Okapi? Or D, a clan of Okapi? Herd seems fine. I'm just gonna go with herd, keep it simple. They're not really very um, communal animals, as far as I can see. But yeah, we'll go with herd. Final answer? Yeah. Ding, ding, ding. You're correct. I was like, darn it, it's a herd. It's, it's, <laughs> it's like when we do a fish and it's like, how do I get him to not select school? <laughs> um, yeah, it's a herd. Nice I one. mean, the fact that it doesn't usually hang out in herds made me think about the other things, but not enough to throw me off the neck was to, you know what? I'm not going to try to logic out of it. It's you, all, I'm going to just gonna accept the win. How dare uh, you? There's there's no logic in terms of venery, so that's it. I won. That's it. You should have known better. Yeah. There we go. Let's talk about what this guy looks like because it's important. <laughs> um, this guy's an oddball, for sure. Sheriff John is kind of like the platypus of hoofed, hooved mammals. Heaved. Heaved. Uh, despite being in the family giraffidae. Uh, he looks a whole lot more like a tall zebra that God decided to stop painting, kind of like <laughs> 30% of the way through. The general body shape is like a horse, like or like a zebra, I guess, but, you know, it's bigger. It's like a horse, um, but it has a slightly longer neck, and also like the zebra, the front and back legs, as well as the haunches, are covered in black and white stripes exactly like it looks exactly like a zebra yeah uh, if you look up a picture of this it has more of a, a giraffe face are you getting to that yeah i will get to that okay um but that's where the similarities to the zebra ends or just the the stripes most of the rest of the okapi including its back tail torso shoulders neck crown and ears are all a dark brown and um well they think that the the you're gonna go into why it's striped, right? Mm-hmm. Okay. Oh, I'll, I have some. I have some. Uh, some observations. Uh, so the Okapi's face is like a a whitish gray, um, with a brown streak coming from the middle of the nose up to the crown. Speaking of crowns, this is where the similarities with the giraffe appear. So it stops looking like a zebra horse, more like a giraffe. Uh, the male Okapi has two protuberances on its head called ossicones and if you mm -hmm. if that triggers your memory um that's exactly what giraffes have except uh both male and female giraffes have ossicones and only the male okapi has an ossicone or two ossicones um females instead have hair whorls <laughs> remember whorls <laughs> from the uh 
all of snail episode so we learned a new word and now i have to say it more uh. um overall the 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 head of the okapi is kind of deerish in shape um and they have relatively large ears that allow them to he- uh hear things above average so that it is it's, it is it kind of looks like a zebra but it's bigger than a zebra can you joe oh can you please tell us how much bigger i sure can do that uh welcome to the beloved measure up segment the official listeners favorite part of the show the part of the show when we present the animal size and dimensions in relatable terms through a quiz that's fun for the whole family it's also part of the show that's introduced by you when you send an audio of yourself saying singing or chittering the words measure up into ldtaxonomy at gmail.com we don't have any measure up intros that means we get to hear from an animal and carlos will guess what it is Hooray! Please send in measure ups. <laughs> Without further ado, the listener's favorite part of the show. Lawnmower rabbit. Is it A, a baby hyena? B, an ocelot? C, a possum, or D, a moped that needs an oil change? Ocelot. Uh, final answer. Final answer, ocelot. That is correct. Yes. That's an ocelot. It seemed too deep to be a baby hyena, and I forgot what the third option was. Possum. Oh, possum. That I'm one pretty... was just a straight dark horse, because who knows what that sounds like. I'm pretty sure. I mean, we live so close to possums all the time and i i don't think i've ever heard that i think it's more of a chittering or a scream or yeah yeah i actually don't know what they sound like but i definitely would have heard that (laughs) uh i'm sure yeah i'm sure maybe they'll come up later let's talk about height their height at the shoulder is about 1.5 meters or four feet and 11 inches how many okapis go into the depth of the deepest part of the congo river Okapis live near the in the Congo. Here's a hint. The Congo is the deepest river in the world. Did you oh, know that? That's good to know. I did not know that. And it's the second largest river by discharge, which is uh the water flow rate. It's it's not when the how much ri- water comes through it. It's not when the river leaves a hospital. And no, it's it's when the the, the river leaves the army. As long as it's honorable. <laughs> this river <laughs> was honorably discharged. For running away. Because it's a river. It runs. Yeah, but that would be a dishonorable. Yeah, that, that's true. Um, deepest river in the world. Wow. I imagine rivers can get pretty deep. Although I've never really thought about it. 200 feet sounds like a deep river. That'd be a pretty deep lake. Um, not a super deep lake, but pretty deep one. So we're going to go 200 and pretty close to 5 feet here for the Okapi. Um, so what's, what is it? 40? This is a little less than five feet. So I'm going to say 43. 43. Final answer. Yes. You were three Okapis away from being a hundred Okapis away. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, no way. They oh, are wow, that's a deep river. They are 146 point four okapis deep um, the river is about 220 meters or 720 feet 
deep. That is a deep river. There's no light that reaches the bottom. No, sh- no, sir. Definitely no color. Let's talk about weight. The weight is about 200 to 350 kilograms or 440 to 770 pounds. Let's call it 700 pounds. Okay. How many mangoes go into the weight of an okapi? Mangoes? That's right, mangoes. It's mango season. Is it right now? In in Florida, yeah. If you know somebody with a mango tree, you know it because they've been giving them to you. (laughs) (laughs) Or if, if you're neighbors with somebody with a mango tree, you know it because all of those mangoes have fallen into your yard. Uh, here's a hint. Mangoes are popular in the Congo and they're available to eat year round. Other staples of Congolese cuisine include corn, rice, yuca, yams, plantains, and even pumpkins. Sounds like the Dominican Republic. Very different. Well, no, like the... They don't call it yuca. They call it something else, but I forget what that word is. In the Congo? Yeah. Yeah. Um, it's probably in... French, I want to say. I think that's what they speak there. Might be totally wrong. Um, anyway, 700 pounds, and we got mangoes. Mango is not a pound. Or maybe it is. Mm, I'm going to say it is. So I'm going to say 700. Squ- flat, square, round. The, uh, the best way to think of it is like compare it to a quarter pounder. I do not hold... McDonald's you know what? Qu- I probably quarter pounders I've held man. more mangoes recently than quarter pounders. Also, when you hold a quarter pounder, you're also holding the bun and all the fixins, so you really just have to hold the patty <laughs> to get the true weight. So, final answer, what do you say? 700. 700. Cuz you think it's a pound? I think it's I think a mango is 1 pound. Alrighty. The correct answer is Fifteen hundred and eighty-seven. Oh, so mango is half a pound. They're about two hundred grams on average. Uh, that's all I got. All right, time for fast facts. Uh, you, as you mentioned, they live in the Democratic Republic of the Congo, which is located in the center of Central Africa. It's about as central. It's a big as old could. country. It is a very big country. Their range is not the full country, though. So they're um. They're kind of limited to the northern portion, north eastern portion. I wonder if they hang out with mountain gorillas. Because uh, they're also from the Congo. Probably. I don't. I don't imagine they would care much about each other. They eat different things. Speaking of what they eat, the okapi eats is a herbivore and eats leaves, flowers, grass, ferns, fruit, and fungi. They have, and to eat this stuff, they use their 18 inch long tongues to grasp tree branches and fruit, which is similar to the, uh, the giraffe that has a really long tongue. I want to say prehensile, but, um, don't quote me on it for the giraffe. At least post, post hensile. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, 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 I think that... it is prehensile because the okapis is prehensile. Is and they're very similar. Yeah. Yeah, so they can... Aren't all tongues technically prehensile? Like, if you had a long enough tongue, you could grasp things? I guess. Just, is it the ability to grasp? I think so. Or is... Enough, enough dexterity to pick things up? Like, yeah. if I had a... If there was, like, a baby carrot, I could definitely pick that up. <laughs> I 
I would have I would need a Gene Simmons tongue because it would I I would, it would just roll off my tongue. I couldn't get it. I'm not. I'm not it just rolls enough. off the tongue. Carrot. Yeah. <laughs> Carrot. <laughs> um, so the okapi only has three sounds that they make because um, their vocal cords are poorly developed. So the males and females, when they communicate with each other, they use something called a chuff. I mean, I don't know if that's the official term. It's just kind of the onomatopoeia for that. That's why I, I called it the chuff of legend. Um, the females during courtship use a moan, which is not an onomatopoeia, I don't think. Um, and then there's a bleat that the infants use when they are stressed out. But other than that, you're not going to hear uh, an okapi. You can make you a whole sure song aren't. about what the okapi says. because you don't More know. reasons for you not being able to hear them later. Right. They could Okapi can also use the Flemin response that remember when we mentioned in the taper episode where they can kind of curl their whole lip back and into this kind of fierce pose to deter rivals or possibly predators. Um, and speaking of predators, they're usually uh, attacked by leopards, but the greatest threat to them is humans because they're pretty the most dangerous game the most dangerous yeah who's the monster here it's humans they're pretty they're pretty endangered uh because they've been hunted and there's been a lot of habitat loss in their small region and um i actually saw something where the okapi wildlife preserve headquarters uh was attacked in 2012 by a gang of poachers that killed six guards and poached 14 okapis that is standing up to poachers has got to be like one of the most difficult jobs because they are already armed (laughs) and there is no like i mean there's a government but there's no like minute enforcement of things in countries like that so you know if just a if if you and 10 of your friends with guns want to go start poaching it's going to take me and 10 of my friends with guns to stop you (laughs) There's a documentary about the these rangers in the Congo, and it's specifically centered around gorillas, protecting gorillas. Mm-hmm. But the, these rangers are, like, really up against a lot because they don't get a lot of um, help from the government because they the government has a lot to deal with in the Congo yeah, um, or the Republic of the Congo. So this documentary is just, like, how they're, like, Basically, on the front lines, they're armed, but, you know, they don't have, like, huge numbers. And they're, like, the only thing standing between guerrilla annihilation and these poachers. Uh, So it's pretty crazy. Being a ranger is a hardcore job in the Congo. Yeah, I mean, or just anywhere in in, um, Central and uh, East Africa. Just be nuts. Because, yeah, you just... Do they have the government's not going to back you up? It's you and the other two rangers that are at the station, and then just a just a team of people who are definitely motivated uh, to earn thousands upon thousands of dollars through poaching. Just start driving through with their jeeps. You can't just walk up to them and be like, "Hey, hey, hey you, hey, hey, you stop, you stop that." Yeah, it's not like when a ranger approaches you and says to put out your fire and empty empty your beer and make sure the cans get put in the right receptacle. Right. 
Cause then it's you, like all of that, but you have a gun and you really don't want to. Because you know if you, do, if, you, if you don't do what they say, then the full force of the uh, United States military will come down upon you. <laughs> Probably not true, but at least the <laughs> cops. But then there's the, it's also that the, the okapi is the most valuable bushmeat in the Congo. Really? Yep. That's probably because they're endangered. The more endangered they become, the more valuable it gets. More yeah. than like elephant? Apparently. Maybe it tastes better. Maybe or there's not that many elephants in the Congo. That's true. Well, I don't know. I just watched maybe a whole the whole documentary forest, on maybe elephants. Maybe the forest elephants. But yeah, that's it's crazy. All right, that's all I got. Those are my fast facts. One fra- fast fact uh, they can rotate their eyeballs backwards to protect themselves as they pass by leaves and branches in the forest. I did not see that. They can do it. That's horrifying. So, the major fact. When we first learned about the Okapi, there were like loads of interesting things, like their really long prehensile tongue, the way they look, and this, that, and the other thing. Um, but nothing really interesting. Some breakout major fact didn't really stick out. But then listener Doug, remember listener Doug? I do remember listener Doug. He suggested it, the Okapi, but he said the same thing. He said it doesn't really have a major fact, so it might not be suitable a suitable candidate for the show. But dang, if it isn't cute AF, cute as fun. <laughs> <laughs> I ha- I got to disagree with you on the on the cute thing, but it is interesting. It does have a nice shiny coat. It has like a. I think it's cute. It's different. It's a cute like a horse is cute. I don't think horses are cute. So it, it takes a, it's a different kind of cute. It's definitely not pika cute, but it's a different kind of cute. Sure, sure. So <laughs> like the, those big gentle eyes is where, is where it's cuteness comes from. Uh, if it does anyway, something that's cute, if it like nuzzles a, a puppy or rolls over or something like that, that's pretty cute. But I wouldn't <laughs> look at a horse's face and be like, look at that cutie pie. Like I would <laughs> to the puppy. <laughs> Uh, anyway, when researching it, I, f- I found that m- many of its like interesting facts all point to one thing, and that's its stealth. Even though it's pretty big, <laughs> even though it's a pretty big ungulate, that's a, that's <laughs> <laughs> comma. It's a master oh, of forest awful. stealth. <laughs> Regardless of that pun, did it's you a do big that on animal? Purpose? And it's re- yeah, I did. I couldn't get through it, though. Uh, it's big and stealthy in the woods. So here are a few features that make the Okapi sneaky. Uh, they have extremely sensitive ears, like you mentioned, uh, that allow them to elude predators. They're so elusive that they're, they weren't even discovered by Western scientists until uh, 1900. Um, before that, um, local people had caught them in traps, so they had known about them, but they western eyes had not seen them until 1900 hmm. today and then, and then teddy roosevelt went over there and killed one and blasted them all away and then felt bad about it that's not true that's the, i don't know <laughs> if he killed an i'll copy yeah i don't mean either uh today we're we aren't ter- totally sure how many there are left though we do know that they are significantly threatened mm-hmm. um their hearing alerts them to predators and people far away uh, far enough away for them to be able to run away before anything even gets there. So this may help them deal with predators like leopards that are also built for stealth. And leopards are their main natural predator. Mm-hmm. 
uh, baby Okapi don't poop for two months after they're born. That sounds uncomfortable. They, I don't, I don't know what they do or how they process things. Maybe just all converting it to urine. But the the leading potential cause, uh, reason for this is that it might help limit scent trails so that predators can't get attracted to their location. I feel like peeing does the same thing, though. Yeah, but I didn't see specifically that they pee, so I don't, I don't know what they do. They just hold it all in. They convert it all into negative thoughts and push them out of their minds. The longest, <laughs> the longest two weeks of an Okapi's life are the first, because <laughs> he has to hold it in. Oh, it's off. I mean, I don't know if it's awful. It could just. I mean, obviously, it's well, totally normal. So all babies eat dairy and very little fiber. Yeah, but all but most babies poop a lot. That's true. <laughs> uh, because they're so hard to find, uh, they need to be able to leave breadcrumbs for each other to, for mating. Uh, so one of these things is that they excre- excrete a tar-like substance that Yum. smells really foul uh, to mark their territories and to let other Okapi know where they are. And to let the leopards know where they are. Apparently, maybe it's so foul that leopards are like, "No, nah, I'm not dealing with this." It's like I was, I was on the, I was on the trail of this okapi, but whatever can make that is not something I want in my mouth. <laughs> uh, if that doesn't work, they can also emit a low frequency hum, like the elephant can, that mm. can't be detected by predators. And nice. I, I think that's what you when you said the the female emits this moaning sound. I think it's a really low frequency sound. Well, that's something that you can hear. The chuff, the moan, and the bleat are one, are all oh, things that okay. are all audible things. It's a specific courtship thing, so maybe they use this low frequency thing to uh, sound to to communicate regularly. Or it's like an audible uh, thing, but it's not doesn't stick out as much as a stick out to predators as much as a high pitch. Mm-hmm. I'm not sure, but they said that it was a low frequency hum. And it, for the purpose of not being heard by predators. Uh, so then the last thing is that their body patterns help them camouflage in the forest. This, so, is, Okapi, this is what I have a question questions about. So, so lay it on. I this. have a bunch of stuff and I know what you're thinking. And I have a theory of for why you're thinking it, I think. So here, let's just get through it and then we can talk about it. Uh, so the, the Okapi are brown, black, and white with strange and uh, distinct color patterns. So they're even distinct from each other, and their patterns are thought to be as unique as fingerprints. Like the zebra. Yeah. But why do they have zebra-like stripes, and why does that help with camouflage? Mm-hmm. So when it comes to, to zebras, it's not all about camouflage uh, in that it's designed to you know make you blend in with your surrounding because... The savanna is not black and white. There's a there's, there's a lot of gray areas. <laughs> yeah. uh, instead, it's it's confusing predators that would try to isolate and pick off an individual. It's pa- so if you it, can't, it's pattern disruption, right? It's so that so, they can't see an, the outline of a zebra because there are a hundred other zebras behind it. Right. So if you can't focus on just one zebra, it can be hard to catch. We we talked about the same thing with. Um, some school of fish. When we talked about that shark with the tail, the, um, the tail whip, the thresher shark, the thresher shark. Yeah. So like schools of fish do the same thing where it's like 
their shiny colors and stuff like that make them difficult to pinpoint. Mm-hmm. Uh, so Ocop- for all copies, it's more about breaking up their silhouette against the forest backdrop. So like you, like you just mentioned, this is called uh, disruptive coloration or well, I forget what you said. I said pattern disruption. Yeah. Pattern disruption. Um, and it's, it's used by loads of animals and people that wear camo. This type of camouflage uses patterns to break up uniform or repeating patterns to create a natural random visual pattern to match your background. So this is different, but it's related to the more sophisticated camouflage that's designed to completely mimic an object's surroundings. So like a chameleon or... or Actually, um, chameleons sorry. don't camouflage. They change their color based on mood. Isn't that weird? They're like mood rings. <laughs> they're feeling blue. They feel sad and then whenever they're on something blue. Well, like if they're so, agitated, they'll turn like orangish yellow and that kind of stuff. Uh, it works. So this pattern disruption, this disruptive coloration, it works because landscapes are rarely uniform in color, except in snow. So even in a verdant green forest, uh, it will have random light and dark patterns as light and shadows mixed together greens browns dark patches light patches uh the the light streaming through the leaves to make spotted patterns on this forest floor all kinds of mixed up shades and colors so the okapi doesn't need to look like a forest per se it just needs for you and leopards to miss it when scanning the landscape for an object that sticks out so a monochromatic outline would stick out against the bespeckled forest landscape. Uh, bespeckled. And they there's a nice little diagram if you look up the Wikipedia page for um, disruptive coloration. There's a diagram of a fish against a dark background. So like the dark, just void of the ocean. And then a completely like monocolored fish sticks out like a sore thumb. But then they showed a striped fish against like a reef background and how much how much harder it is to see. Even though, you know, if you just look at it and you're like, that's a striped fish, it it's it it works with its backdrop. I see even though it doesn't I, I'm exactly looking at it now and I see what you're saying. <clears throat> yeah. So it doesn't exactly have to look like, you know, real camouflage. Real camouflage is like so, like, in, in actual camouflage, like, that people wear, there's real camo, which is, like, you're wearing a shirt with tree branches, pictures of tree branches on it. Yeah. John You've Deere seen stuff. that. Yeah. I've and then the there's the, time. like, more military, just, like, color disruption. The more, the classic camo, that's color disruption. You don't, you're not, it's not like a ghillie suit. You're not trying to, like, become a bush. Hide in plain sight. You're just supposed to like kind of hide your silhouette from scanning eyes. Uh, so then uh, disruptive coloration often uses high contrast patterns as in leopards, as in uh, the Okapi, uh, which is, which means light, light colors and dark colors together. So with, as with the Okapi disruptive coloration can also hide telltale features. Like, so like if you have a tank and you're trying to hide specific things that make the tank look like a tank, 
you're only going to hide those things. With the Okapi, their, their hindquarters and legs are differently colored than the rest of them. So it kind of breaks up this like ungulate pattern that might look tasty to a leopard. So a leopard scans and sees just a floating deer torso and head and freaks out and runs away. Thinks it's a ghost. <laughs> it's a ghost. Uh, so they also have shiny coats uh, that can reflect some light. Uh, and in, it, it, it increases their high contrast pattern. Hmm. So you're thinking, my my, I think what your question was, is why would their legs be different than their? <coughs> what's the point of a monochromatic torso? Well, my my thing was why have disruptive why have, why have this disruptive coloration if you're not up against the same exact pattern, like with a zebra. Oh yeah. But and I guess it works a little bit with um, just kind of the shadows and twigs and stuff. But still, like, it, 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 it would behoove <laughs> this ungulate um, to have, like, a maybe like a tan, a tan base with brown stripes instead of, like, stark white and black. Just two, two colors that you're just not going to find. So in there's nature. also the the fact that the they're they have one um one predator and that predator can't see as much color as humans can. They're they're kind of like cats and dogs where they have fewer color receptors. Mm-hmm. So they're not, they're not completely black and white colorblind. I mean, they're not they don't just see black and white, but they don't see as vibrant a spectrum as we do. So Maybe they don't need to have specific colors. Maybe they're, you know, looking at this desaturated world and the Okapi just blends in. <laughs> the The world of uh, Leopard is just a Zack Snyder film. <laughs> <laughs> but then I also have a the thought that when in there, during the day when they're grazing and stuff, like in a, in a clearing, they stick out because they're dark brown against light green and you can see them. But at night instead of having this high contrast pattern that might stick out in the dark, they have this large field of dark that maybe helps them blend better at night, which is when I think leopards are nocturnal, right? Yeah, but the uh, okapi is diurnal. Right. So when it's hiding for sleeping, it looks, it's like in a dark little hole or dark little thicket and it's dark coat doesn't stick out. That's my theory. I didn't read that. Yeah, man, if my only predator was nocturnal, you bet I'd be nocturnal too. But I, I guess know. it works. If my predator is sleeping during the day, I'm going to eat as much as I can during the day and hide at night. Yeah, but if my, I, I don't know, maybe it's, it doesn't sound like leopards are using their, their schnozzes to, that much to find their prey. Because um, you think that even if it can't see the okapi, it should be able to smell it. But maybe that's why you don't poop for two weeks after you're born. Yeah, I'm, I would be interested. If anyone out there is an Okapi expert, let us know why leopards can't find them based on these scent scent trails. Because I'm just a picturing that uh, like a, a leopard scans the forest and s- sees an Okapi, but like like just passes right over it because it look because it kind of blends in. Um, but it's like there is definitely an Okapi here, and I'm not leaving until I eat it. Um, so I'm just gonna I'm just gonna scan right right on back. <laughs> oh, there it is. But 
But clearly that's not what happens, otherwise the Okapi would, uh... They would probably adapt to, to look differently, or do something different instead of just freeze. Or there would be no Okapi. <laughs> Young Okapi, too? Baby Okapi have that, like, mane on their, a mane on their back that goes away? Mm-hmm. I wonder if that's also, like, if they're taking a page out of the make our kids look like badgers <laughs> so that nothing wants to deal with them. You know that book that keeps getting passed around among mammals? The cheetah book? Make our kids look like badgers. <laughs> there was one animal, I forgot, one that we did where um, the the uh, yeah the, the babies looked like... Um, Honey badgers? No, just they, they were like striped as though they were cheetah babies or something like that. But it was a no. Cheetah babies are have a mane that's white that goes on their back to make them look like honey badgers. Oh, okay. Then maybe that's what I was thinking of when we t- went, covered the honey badger. How have we not covered the cheetah yet? I'm putting that on my I list. Don't know. <laughs> <laughs> so is that is that all you got? That's all I got. Well, that's the Okapi. If you want to see one, head to uh, Disney World. Disney World in Orlando and um, go on the Kilimanjaro. Uh, safari, and it'll be one of the first animals you see. Um, just don't don't make the mistake I did of calling it a zebra, because uh, y- you will be thrown to the lions. <laughs> uh, so for you out there in Podcastia, be stealthy, chuff to your fellow herbivores, and don't be afraid to strut your stripes like the Okapi here in life, death, and taxonomy. Hey, LDT listeners, in case you haven't heard, we have merch available for purchase at teespring.com slash stores slash taxonomy tees. That's T-E-E-S. But if a worldwide pandemic doesn't have you prioritizing podcast merch, you can still support us by leaving a review on your favorite podcast app for absolutely free. Either way, we're glad to have you here. Thanks for listening. <laughs> that will that advice will play well with the vegan audience. Chuff to your fellow herbivores. <laughs> it sounds like you could make a a boutique. Chuff does sound like a vegan food because it sounds rough and fibrous. <laughs>